0: Welcome to the EMT Pro Podcast, where we deliver relevant EMS content from the field in the classroom each week. Episodes of this podcast can get you one full hour of CE through our partner, emt-ce.com. So head over there for more information. Today, we have a really fun episode. Uh, Got Dan and Holly with me as usual, and then we have our medical director, Ramsey Selback.
1: Excited to have you here. Yeah, Yeah.
0: thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, So, Doc, tell us about your background and why...
2: How did you get into emergency medicine of all fields? Oh, that's, we're going way back. We're going way back, yeah. Um, You know, I guess, I did a emergency, I was an emergency scribe before I went to med school. So, like I was telling you before, I was a tennis bum for a while, taught tennis, got a job in an ER as a scribe in the legacy system in Portland. And that was kind of, I guess, one of the first times it was like really clicked that it was a fun environment to work and got to know the docs real well did that for two years and was pretty hooked after that, so applied to med school in Portland. So Mm -hmm. I did all my training at OHSU, did med school at OHSU, and then I was pretty much like, knew I was gonna do emergency medicine throughout med school. Tried to convince myself of some other things. Mm. (laughs) Um, But yeah, ultimately that was kind of my first experience in emergency medicine and then did residency at OHSU as well and then I did an ultrasound fellowship to kind of cap everything off. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. So, Oregon's really been yeah.
0: pretty much everything
2: for me. Yeah. You, it's which my is home pretty nice. rare,
0: right? Uh. Yeah. You don't see people do everything kind of all in the same pretty, state usually, right? Yeah.
2: It's pretty rare for me. It was, you know, I had like a kid when I was in med school and family and stuff like that. So, yeah. It was motivating for me. Um, we I did like a, a way in, at UC Irvine. I worked there for a month during med school. But, yeah, mostly just in Oregon. Nice. So homegrown
3: homegrown yeah right on
0: so before we dive into stuff too much with chasing numbers which is what we're gonna be talking about um, we do want to make a general announcement that while we're gonna be talking about specifics that we've seen done in the field both correct and incorrect and in the ER both correct and incorrect um, obviously follow your own local protocols this isn't a substitute for any of that so absolutely Um, but Dan you were you and Holly were the ones that had this idea for an
3: episode. Why don't you guys explain what we got going on today? Well, this is something I see a lot with the newer folks <clears throat> and even some of the older folks, and even myself, I've done it, is I'll get fixated on a number, whether it's a vital sign, um, SAT, and title or something, and I will chase that number. I, will, I have to fix that number. If that Entitle is 74, I have to get that down. That's my job to get it down. When actually it's not, I just need to start working towards that. And so we teach a lot, and they they see a heart rate that's too low, even though the blood pressure is fine. They want to treat it um, because that's what we're taught. We're taught to there are certain numbers of parameters that we have, and and I think we just should get a doctor's perspective on some of this. Because
0: mm-hmm. there's going to be times where, quote unquote, chasing their vitals is a good thing, right? And then there's a lot of times where it's we just not a good time and mm-hmm. just leave it alone, right? And, you know.
1: And I'd like to say too, it's not just the newer people either. It's um if you've been doing this for one year or ten years or twenty years, you do always kind of find yourself trying to get everything into that parameter you're comfortable with, mm-hmm. um, back to the normal zone. And even when we were flying, it's really easy to go pick someone up from one place that is can use a lot of improvement mm-hmm. and the most fun thing is to have them all fixed up and packaged perfectly when you arrive at the receiving yes. facility. Um, and we can really get into that and it makes mm. us feel good cause yep. now we drop them off and they've got a good blood pressure and yay. Right. Um, except sometimes we make it worse. So those are some of the things. And it you know. looks good
3: on our chart, right? Yeah. If my mm-hmm. numbers are through in this, this area yeah. where they're supposed to be, it looks real good on my chart.
0: Well, and with everything we do, we're always asked that question. Did they improve You yeah, know, right. when <laughs> you chart it? Right. It's like, they well shoot, them. you know, I'm not looking for an improvement right now. I'm looking to just maintain, right? And so, you know, selecting that no change or whatever the- Well, sometimes you just get them off says. the
3: bathroom floor in the back of the ambulance to the hospital. That's an improvement. Yeah. Even if your numbers yeah. are still the same. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, I think it's super contextual. Like mm-hmm. often, I mean, for the most part, keeping them with, within those parameters, like is the right thing to do. Right. But not always. <laughs> right. And like, see, you know, knowing what the specific situation you're dealing with is important. Right. being able to step back and be comfortable with a number that you might be uncomfortable with, sometimes is the right thing to do, Mm -hmm. and that takes some practice. Some practice,
1: yeah, yeah, and a lot of critical thinking, thinking Mm -hmm. outside the box Mm -hmm. and what's going to happen next. Um, And like you said, getting comfortable in that uncomfortable zone.
0: Yeah. So, and obviously we're going to be painting with a little bit of a broad brush today, but why don't we start with talking about when we should chase numbers. What are some good ideas for when we're looking at vitals and we go, oh, we need to make an improvement on those between when we have them on scene and when we get them to the hospital.
3: Okay. We'll start with uh, blood pressure. Yeah. That's when we always go on, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the issues we see a lot with the new people are they they don't understand what a MAP is. Mm -hmm. You know, the mean arterial pressure. They want to know the diastolic and the systolic, or the, the systolic and the diastolic, mm-hmm. and and just calculating a map. And I'm sure you're going to put something up on the post on how to do that, right? Yeah. Okay. Perfect.
0: Yeah. You want to re- repeat that for us, Dan? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm sure Holly knows.
1: Systolic plus two times the diastolic. God, you're so goddamn
3: smart. Over three. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh.
2: <laughs> two thirds. One third.
1: And most, most um, monitors, monitors are going to give yep. you the map. And of right. course, it's a it's a non-invasive map, so it's not as good as if it was a central line right. or something, but right. it's something to work mm-hmm. toward.
3: Right. Yeah. So
1: when you say that, like, if my blood pressure actually this morning was like 89 over 56, because I've been checking it in the mornings. Um, but you know what? My map was okay, and right. it, it's debatable whether or not I'm perfusing my brain. But <laughs> that's what the map is for. You have to have a map of at least 60, 65 hopefully to perfuse the brain ideally like 70 Um, but in our trauma patients what are we looking for like a map of 65 yeah yeah
2: Yeah. and again that like if they're septic and you know they're in septic shock then yeah getting their map you know 65 ish is great sometimes it's hard to do that and if it's a little 90 year old 90 pound lady you know, their blood pressure is probably normally mm-hmm. in the 80s over 50s, right? Or 90s over 50s. So throwing a bunch of pressure at somebody right. unnecessarily isn't always great. I mean, the big, honestly, one of the big things too that I see all the time in the ER is this is their blood pressure. The first thing I do is say, let's re- let's recheck it yeah, with the monitor. And if we don't like that blood pressure, we're rechecking it with a manual. Exactly. and I don't know 80% of the time you get a better reading or a different reading Mm -hmm. and the amount of times that I've come into work and You know we get especially now So I work in Astoria for the podcast in a critical access hospital and we're sitting on critical patients for like 12 hours sometimes So we're dealing with a lot of stuff that we used to ship quick But I'll come to work and people will be on maxed out epi for a, a blood pressure of x y or z and we're not getting a good reading and I'll put an art line in that person And their pressures are through the roof and now I can like almost peel back the presser like that's happened multiple times this year where I'm like well we need less than half of the epi that we're giving them or the norepi or whatever so getting an accurate reading is like half the battle yes I think
3: and critically thinking yeah look at that patient yeah so in
1: the field then we have non-invasive blood pressures Um, just throw a blood pressure cuff on and Mm -hmm. see what it is and hopefully Mm -hmm. hope for the best um, we have manual blood pressure cuffs in the field yep. and then once you get in the hospital setting you have the central lines um, or a lines mm-hmm. or whatever um, to really accurately measure that blood pressure and that's a really good thing to know that some your non-invasive pressures might be lower than your central pressures or the other way around yeah mm-hmm. um, so have you
0: guys seen there's a, a new feature on the monitors now it's I think Zoll calls there's turbo cuff but it, they call it a yeah. poor man's art line where it's just a constant blood pressure that it's taking yeah, non-invasively. That. That's pretty cool. I mean, it's as close for as we're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, good for you.
2: But I mean, to your point, like look at your patient. Yeah. If they're sitting up and they're talking and they have no complaints and their blood pressure is 80 over 50 or 90 over 50, like don't what freak else? out yeah. and like don't throw a presser at them and make their blood pressure something that it shouldn't be. You know, if they look fine, mm-hmm. you know, if they're... Altered and sick and febrile, blah blah blah. Like different story, right. right? But just one number is not something to get too crazy about. And that's a good and point.
1: So if they have a low low pressure, we expect to see a high heart rate. If there's something that needs to be corrected, or maybe yes, they're breathing yeah. fast, or their skin doesn't look well, or they're diabetic. Um, and what other?
3: Do you well, look think, a lot at shock index? Um. Yes. Yes. Yes.
2: And no. Yeah. I mean, and it's. It's uh, your guys' job is like so much more difficult than people realize because it's like you got somebody in the back of a rig or on a helicopter or in their house, and you have this limited amount of time. Like I don't know your transport time average is, but let's say thirty minutes to an hour. Not not where we not even pride. Yeah, so you have this like super short amount of time where like. Just gathering the information to figure out what's going on mm-hmm. takes that long yeah. Mm-hmm. and then you're expected to intervene on some number rate or right, or some vital sign right? It's, looks out of line. I mean, it's, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. And so like, it happens quick and you can potentially make decisions that most of the time that are great, right? You know, somebody's hypotensive and they need fluid, you give them fluid. But maybe they're hypotensive and they're in cardiogenic shock and mm-hmm. you give them fluid and... Now they're worse off, right so, right but that's a that's a hard thing to figure out in a short amount of time, right when you're in a pre-hospital setting. and not all the answers are in that protocol book. No. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they yeah, were yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, you guys touched on heart rate though, and I think that's the one maybe end title is up there too, but heart rate seems to be like probably I would say the number one thing that people get wigged out about whether it's too high or too low, and how yeah. to treat it. Yeah. Because um, we were just giggling a minute ago, giggling is maybe not the right word, but uh, laughing about how like when you're in an ER and you're looking at the telehealth boards with just the ECGs on them, so many times you're like, oh my gosh. If I had that right now on a call, I would be- Why isn't someone yeah, talking yes. about that? Yeah. Giving them a drift or <laughs> okay. pacing them or yeah. defibrillating or
2: something. and they've been in the ER like that for hours yeah yeah or days yeah I had a person in a complete heart block with a heart rate of 22 to 26 Mm -hmm. for 12 hours the other day and he was fine just mentating mentating grade his blood pressures were like in the 140s no completely asymptomatic and this was a discussion my entire shift Mm -hmm. like do we need to give this guy epi do we need to (laughs) pace this guy right you know, and the answer was no, because he was doing fine. And sometimes you don't want to rock the boat. And we don't have transcutaneous, or sorry, transvenous pacing mm-hmm. in Astoria. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're going to transcutaneously pace somebody That's who's asymptomatic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so are you at
0: that point just waiting for him to get a pacemaker placed? Exactly, yeah. yeah. At that point, we're just
2: waiting on... Uh, someone to a open a bed in to clear. somewhere <laughs> right now well, right now it's a bad right issue or yeah. the, but mm-hmm. you know we're sending people all over the place yeah yeah but I know our local trauma center we've been sitting there sometimes
0: for up to two hours yeah just waiting to drop a patient off right now and then more commonly you know people are funny though they'll, they'll, they'll call 9 call thinking they get a yes. faster response yeah. and so now we're being told like no let us know if, if it's triageable on your here report and then a doc will meet us at the doors and be like uh you know do a quick once mm-hmm. over and be like yeah just let them go hang out and triage for a little bit yeah. so you get a it's ambulance your, bill and yeah. a, <laughs> and you get to wait four hours for your room
2: but but to your point like that is <coughs> uncomfortable that's uncomfortable for me yeah too. it's uncomfortable yeah 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 at any moment this kid i'm gonna pace this guy he's gonna stop breathing he's gonna his blood pressure is gonna tank yeah and it's you know more uncomfortable for like the nursing staff and I'm, you know, I've already talked to cardiologists about this patient, et cetera, and they're like, well, they're more comfortable with it than I am, right? Because mm-hmm. that's their gig. Mm-hmm. So they're like, yeah, just leave them alone. It's fine. I'm like, but sure. you have everything yeah, all set sure. and ready to go. Yeah, just yeah. I case. mean, the pads are yeah. on, everything's yeah. on, of course. But yeah. like, mm-hmm. it, it, abnormal vitals that are that out of line are anxiety provoking. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But we were saying earlier, like, I'm not going to pace that guy to treat my anxiety. Right, right. Yeah. Or
1: VTAC is the other stable VTAC. I always think that's a funny yeah. thing mm-hmm. to say because it's not going to be stable for long, but it actually can be. Yeah. And just having people in VTAC just hanging out. Yep. You know, I want to do something so bad. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, they sit there for an hour or two. and
0: So we talked about low heart rates, we just
3: touched on high heart rates. How about saturations right now? I got well, one on saturation. Yeah. Before
1: we move on from high heart rates, um, one thing that trips people up a lot, and have seen in the ER a lot, I saw it in the flight world a lot too, and our medical director was always kind of trying to pound it into our heads. If you have a patient that's an AFib or with RVR, mm-hmm. right? Um, are they dehydrated? What's their blood pressure? Is it truly RVR or are they just tachycardic mm-hmm. and happen to have AFib? So you know, making sure that you find out what the underlying problem is before you go ahead and start treating that with you know delirium or whatever you have, yep. um, because that can make things a lot worse too. So chasing those numbers too, in that sense, um, we see all these trigger points: uh, bradycardia, tachycardia, mm-hmm. RVR, you know all these things, and we have things in our toolbox to yeah. fix them, and mm-hmm. we really want to use them. Yeah. Um, but really, finding out what's that underlying cause there. Maybe yes. they're just. Um, Need some fluids. We do, we do
3: that with pediatrics all the time, right? Yeah. You know, they've got a fever, they're in pain, and their heart rate super high. Now we think it's SVT and yeah. treatment. And that. also,
1: we're there, so they're nervous. Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that can also be part of the tachycardia, too. Like with trauma patients in tachycardia, yeah. Um, maybe they're just scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they're in a helicopter, or they're in an ambulance, or they're in an ER. Yeah. They're in pain. Um, so, finding out what that tachycardia really is coming from is a right. really important. Um, thing to
2: think about too. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean especially with the AFib because yeah. that's one that gets over-treated a lot mm-hmm. and it's like somebody who's uroseptic or something and then you're beta blocking them and that's an, it's an appropriate reflex tachycardia yeah. that you're now right. blunting yeah. and which it's is not good. it's just
1: tachycardia. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and so many people have AFib. Yeah. No, I mean the, yes. uh, the, po- the amount of AFib in the population is crazy. So it's like if they're tachycardic and they have underlying AFib make sure to figure out why they're tachycardic it's right. a great point yeah
3: Holly oh, you're so smart
0: she is very smart um, saturations
3: saturations one that drives me crazy is uh, you've got a patient maybe a GCS of five or six and they're sat hundred percent okay we're fine let's get them to the hospital to me, that I don't even look at that saturation. I look at what's going to happen to this patient once I arrive at the hospital. What's going to happen en route to the hospital? Are they going to throw up? You know, are they going to mm-hmm. aspirate? And so that's one when I don't care about that high number, yeah. right? I want to treat the patient. The patient cannot protect their own airway, so yeah. let's let's not worry. Let's not be, you know, super happy that we have a sat of hundred percent, right? Mm-hmm. So that's one of my big pet peeves.
0: And they, t- I mean, they talk about good reasons to intubate include can't ventilate can't oxygenate but it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be both correct um and i think it's going to depend on provider comfort level of taking that airway in mm-hmm. that specific example um i've definitely had crews where we were more comfortable doing that than some weren't but yeah um yeah i think that's a good point what so else you are on- saying
1: that even though their sats are good they still might need to be intubated
2: absolutely yeah. mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean that you know the teaching is like you know, GCS of eight or less intubate right? Right. But it's not always perfect. Like if right. a, if they're quickly right. reversible right. for their altered st- state. But yeah, I know if somebody's got a GCS of five, yeah, even though they're satting well, like they probably need a tube. Yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah.
1: So what other vital signs would you check before doing that?
2: Sugar, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, uh, yeah, I've, I've seen, seen that, causes, yeah. Right. yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah, Oh,
3: that's why his GCS is four. That's one thing yeah. that
1: I think gets missed, too. Um, oh. And other yeah. also has, of course, we're gonna check a blood sugar, mm-hmm. yeah.
3: Look at those pupils, maybe it's an overdose, right? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pupils could be an overdose.
1: So, entitled blood pressure. Oh, well, I guess yeah. you won't have an entitled yet, You you might have the nasal cannula, Nies, yeah. mm-hmm. yep co2 yes what would you mm. expect someone a gcs of five i mean i would expect their co2 to be high like maybe they're not ventilating enough mm-hmm. but their sats are still fine yeah so they're getting to oxygen there's nothing wrong with their lungs
0: you see and i think your question though is a perfect point because if i'm seeing that i am going to expect their end title to be high but then my earliest training was cool when you see that high end title start breathing really fast for them to help them breathe it off so that you can feel better about getting their numbers to a healthier range and I think at face value like that can get people in a lot of trouble because yeah. um, I mean I I jokingly said check a sugar but I was thinking hypoglycemia but if their GCS is four and their sugars reads high on your mm-hmm. monitor yeah you know that's a totally different uh, scenario but yeah, yeah. Yeah, and DKA.
1: As just generally, if they're in DKA, they're breathing fast to breathe off that right. acidosis. That metabolically, they're they're trying to obtain compensate. all that homeostasis. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're trying to compensate.
3: And maybe that's not the patient RSI. Absolutely. Even though they have a blood pressure of four, you know, maybe if I have a good positioning, good suctioning, good uh, airway techniques, I mean, because what. If they have an entitled of 17, they're breathing at a rate of 40. If I intubate them and now I'm breathing at a rate of 18 and I mm-hmm. want to get their sats up, they're breathing that off for a reason.
2: I mean, the, yeah. the patients that still scare me to intubate to this day are people with really bad DKA because it's hard to match that on a vent. Yeah. yeah. And really, really bad asthmatics. Yes. And like aspirin overdoses. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, those are all. So, I mean, yeah, in the field, if you have somebody with DKA that's like borderline a tube, I would resuscitate the heck out of them mm-hmm. before, First. yeah. And if you drive, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that it's just a scary tube, yeah You know,
1: and let's talk about if we are in the field, we have limited access, right? We don't have ABGs, so we don't know what yep. their bicarb is, but we do have an title yep, um, which is like kind of the, the poor man's way to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you're going to intubate a DKA patient and you put them on the monitor and their CO2 is 17. What are you going to do once they're intubated? Do you want it to be back up to
3: 30 Absolutely not. I want to keep it right at 17. Yeah. Because that's what's keeping them alive. Mm-hmm. Right, right, Doc? Yep.
1: And truly because then you're going to start shifting their pH in the in the wrong direction. Right. Because right now their body's doing what it needs to do right. to blow off all of that extra, you know, their, their metabolic acidosis. Mm-hmm. So they're blowing off that CO2 trying to um, keep their pH within range and. I don't know if you've seen that happen or how quickly it happens, but I know probably on a regular transport, if we fix that CO2 immediately, by the time 30 minutes goes by, we've probably shifted something in a really bad direction. Mm-hmm.
2: Probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the exact timing of that, but yeah. I agree. And I'm, the most of these people are wildly dehydrated, yeah. You know, so getting, I would say the the thing to do pre-hospital is like, Get fluids on board, right? Like these people can usually, if they're in DKA, like obviously all of these things come with a grain of salt. But like if they're a true DKA or they're, you could throw liters at them. Yeah. And that's going to be the best thing for them pre hospital, really. If you can avoid a tube. Yeah. I Just mean, your guys' clinical judgment in the field is good. And if they need it, they need it. But, but, yeah, if I mean, they don't
3: because it's hard to to ventilate someone at forty times a minute, you know it just it's not in our unless, yes. I mean, yeah. talk
0: through that why why is it difficult to put someone on a event that you've just innovated with DK and they're entitled seventy I'm sorry, seventeen, 17. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, what's going
3: on? yeah <clears throat> uh, ask me the question one more time. I'm so sorry.
0: explain, I guess there's gonna be people who maybe have never used a vent right. on an innovative patient or people who have never innovated this specific type of patient, Right? why would operating a vent for this specific type of patient be a difficult challenge?
3: Well, I mean, if you look at us right now, we're breathing 10 to 12 times a minute, right? Um, and I still see this when we set ventilators up. We will set that ventilator up even with an, you know, you've got the, the HME, you've got the tubing, you've got the entitle, you've got all this this, this dead space that we're not compensating for, and we still put it at 12 times a minute. And so we're not getting our minute volume like we should be getting. And then you add the thing where they are, their pH is, is so low, um, they're breathing at 40 times a minute to blow that acid off. And w- our comfort zone is, OK, we'll go 12 to 18, somewhere in there. And now, you're just like Holly said, we're increasing that, that acid. And so it's just super hard to set that vent at thirty-six times a minute, mm-hmm. right?
0: It's going to be something that is going
2: to require a lot of hands-on,
0: a lot of hands-on,
2: changing stuff. Yes. Yeah.
3: And it's a good time to call a doctor. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah. It's yeah. hard to meet to match their metabolic needs mm-hmm. and yes. their metabolic demands, and their, their if they if they don't need a tube, their body will do a better job at that than a Yes. Event, mm-hmm. Generally speaking. Yes. You know, it's it's hard, and then even if they're if you get them on event with the right settings, like thirty six to forty breaths a minute on event, is crazy fast. Yeah, and then you can run into like breath stacking and yes. all these other complications.
1: Right, you would have to definitely you would have to have them completely sedated, or maybe mm-hmm. even paralyzed, depending mm-hmm. on what you what you want to do there. But yeah,
0: are RSI drugs going to mess
2: even further with some of what they're dealing with? Um. Well, yeah, because it's, again, like, you're now taking away all of their respiratory drive Mm -hmm. and ability to breathe, so you're going to have to immediately match that. Mm -hmm. And, like, every minute that you're not breathing at that rate that we're breathing, they're just getting more acidotic. Yeah. You know, they're now getting a respiratory acidosis in addition to their metabolic acidosis, and they're just not compensating like they should be. Yeah. So... Um, and they, you know, if they're that acidotic, they may need higher doses of um, paralytics. And I mean, that's a really complicated, yeah, so vent, complicated. vent patient. Yeah. Like, that is a, that is a, if you have a bad DKA on a vent, like, they need to be in an ICU with somebody that really knows what they're doing mm-hmm. with, with vent management. So,
3: quick question for you. So, if they're in the ICU, are they on like SIMV? I know we're getting into the weeds on ventilator management, but oh, the, man. so that yeah. they can they can. It so you,
0: you said probably. SIMV ex- explain that for people.
3: Uh, synchronized intermittent mandatory ventilation. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so that is a whole the podcast, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah.
2: In vent management is honestly even beyond like from an you know ED scope like in a perfect world we're not doing a lot of event management because right. we're getting this patient yeah. Out to the, the door. appropriate right. Going upstairs. person right. in appropriate location. But yes. So I mean that, for me that's even more even into the weeds beyond. So are you relying on a good RT and? Good RT and I, I mean if I consult. had that patient in the ED I would be calling an ICU doc just like you would be yeah. calling us right. to help manage that event. because I mean knowing the patients that you need help with is a is important, right? Mm-hmm. And like that goes for me. That goes for you guys. It goes for everybody. Like if I had a DK or on event, like I would be on the phone immediately mm-hmm. with an ICU doc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I do feel like um, in the flight world, we would transfer those kinds of people quite often. Mm-hmm. And so it is really important to know exactly what you have. And we use something called the Winter's formula, mm-hmm. which um, basically it doesn't work for every patient, I don't think. But in this instance you know, if you have a recent lab result or have a recent ABG, you can use the bicarb or the CO2 from a lab test, like a blood test. Um, And it's, what is it, one and a half times the bicarb plus eight, plus or minus two. And that's where your entitle needs to be. And that might be 17 or 70, depending on what type of patient you have. And I felt like that was very helpful if we're picking them up in an Mm in-hospital setting to see where they should be if they're not... And immediately where they are you know on the bend yeah but maybe what our target is for transport yes and knowing a number that you can um, target to again is helping it's outside of our norms but yeah. now I still have a target that I can, right. um, you know hopefully um, address my treatment mm-hmm. to achieve that
2: and, then, and I think this goes back to the original point of this conversation is undifferentiated undifferentiated patient Yes. Chasing stuff versus a, in this case, let's say a completely differentiated patient. You know exactly what's going on. Right. Now you're chasing a number, and that's a totally different conversation, yeah. right? Because that's much more appropriate. Yeah, and even, it feels better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's, like, still maybe hard, it's still maybe hard. It's still maybe hard to achieve. Yeah. But like you're chasing something that, like that's you relevant. know what's going on, yeah. rather than chasing things where you're blindly chasing numbers, right? I don't know. I think that like yeah, for sure, it gets into it. that
3: is very true. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good
2: point.
0: I remember something. And I'm gonna again get it wrong, but I remember hearing um, from some docs that I shadowed in school that acute problems should be chased acutely, and chronic problems that took them a long time to get to where they're at today mm-hmm. typically need a long time to get back to their you know baseline level. Right. Oh, I like, really uh, like that. That's yeah. really yeah. good. Yeah. But it was and so I know we've talked about. Like, trauma patients, that's an acute problem, right? Like, mm-hmm. their vitals are tanking because of a traumatic, of a traumatic, you know, morphology, uh, etiology versus this DKA or patient that we're talking about. They've yeah.
2: spent years getting mm-hmm. to yeah. this point, you that's know. that's true. And they probably had a bumpy road along the way. But And yeah. it's like when you look at a VBG of a person who's had COPD for decades, right? Like, mm-hmm. they're chronically compensated. And mm-hmm. those numbers aren't normal, but they're normal for them, mm-hmm. right? Or you stick your... You know, like I'm an ultrasound guy, like I stick my ultrasound on somebody's chest and they have a giant pericardial effusion that is due to a malignancy and has been there for months, right? Mm-hmm. And they're fine. Yeah. Like if you saw a quarter of that size pericardial effusion tr- acutely, that person would be in tamponade. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's a right. good, you know, like that's a good yeah. example of like this chronic thing that. They live with and they're fine, and you don't right. need to like stick a needle in their heart. Versus somebody <laughs> who with that same amount of fluid, traumatically or acutely, would like not be alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and
1: that's where the critical thinking comes into all of these. All right. of this, where are we chasing vitals? Are we? Should we? Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: What's the the reason we were called? Yes. What did we find? Does it match up? Right. You know, are we aware of why we're trying to change something? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's
3: good info. And yeah. if you, have questions about it? Call online medical. Mm-hmm. You know that, that's your
2: backup resource Great all resource. the time. Yeah, and it's always a good like we all in in emergency medicine. If I have a vital sign of abnormality that I can't explain, it definitely gets my attention, yeah. right? Like if I've got somebody who's persistently tachycardic and I've done a workup and I haven't found a good source for that, like now I kind of need to step back again and be like, okay. Like Maybe this person has a PE or maybe you know, maybe there's yeah. something else going on. Yeah, so you know, it's You don't want to chase it and you don't want to ignore it. You don't want to chase it, but you want to like They're they can help guide you right like vital sign abnormalities, but
1: Yeah, and I think like the ones that are unconscious with no blood pressure and head injury Those are easier patients to think about but Absolutely. the ones where it's like oh your blood pressure is fine But your heart rate's not right you're your heart rate's really low, but you're mentating fine. You know, that's yeah. kind of, again, going back to that gray area is like yeah. in the field, you're you're very compelled to do something because that's what you've been trained to do mm-hmm. and you feel very scrutinized. Uh, but maybe those are the ones where you take a little bit more time and figure out,
0: mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. If, you know the thing going. that I've been amazed by lately is oftentimes it won't be my treatment Or whatever that helps the hospital out the most it's the story if I can get a really thorough background on the patient and that's all I get they can put so many things in place for when we drop them off and the I had a paramedic preceptor and uh, he would tell me my goal every single time I drop a patient off is to get a thank you for your like great story like your background that wow wow, Wow. thank you you know like that (laughs) was his goal every single time and so he would just ask question after question mm-hmm. and he would he would go down rabbit trails as long as he could, you know, trying to find out how the heck did you get to this place that now nine one one needs to be called. We're finding you. You've got these vital signs and maybe we do something about it, maybe we don't. But um he said it all came back to knowing, you know, like that your cog in the wheel, right? Like yeah. we're just one piece of it. And so do your piece really, really well to help yeah. set up the next, you know, layer of care. But yeah. It was it was cool. It's so much different than, you know. Sometimes today I hear people put so much pressure on themselves to like correct the one thing they find. Yep. And that's not going to do anything. Yeah. In no. It's just going to make
1: you feel better there's temporarily. There's so much opportunity for information gathering. Mm-hmm. How many steps do they have at home? Mm-hmm. You know, What does it look like? Who, yes. who was there? Did they eat? Is their house on? There? Let's take a picture
3: and
2: show yeah. the staff. Yeah. yeah. Which Which is that's an awesome like, thing. thing. You know, yeah. especially in like <clears> the little community in these smaller hospitals, you get to know the EMS folks mm-hmm. telling you, they often will tell you about the way the house looked and it's, it can be wildly helpful. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: That's a good thing to focus on. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. no, when I, I trained think... um, the new newer nurses in the ER, that's, I would always say like, Listen to what the paramedics have to say. They are telling you something very important that when they leave, you're going to want to know exactly. So listen to everything they have to say. Ask them all the questions you want to know. Don't just transfer the patient over and get started on your tasks. And because of, there's so much mm-hmm. huge wealth of information,
0: yeah. i I went away from it, and then I've recently gone back to it. But just using your glove, to make notes. It's so stinking helpful. It, is. it helps formulate your story. It helps make sure that the major points are, you know, relayed to the appropriate folks. Um, write on your gloves. That's the best thing mm-hmm. I can tell people. It's so simple, but it helps yeah. so. And much we
3: forget that. I and mean, that's what all the new EMT students do. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll go through a scenario, and they're sitting there writing and writing, and they. Yeah. They're able to do a lot better handoff than I do. Yeah.
1: And honestly, when you when the charts get written and they get facts to that magical place in the sky, I've never seen <laughs> an EMS chart. In the ER before right. I don't know where they go I don't
3: either yeah. so then
1: you can't I'm sure you take the time to write your narrative all these other things you saw but no one really sees it that's that first like two minute handoff where yeah. you get to tell them everything you know yes
0: hmm we recently it's funny you bring that up we just changed to a system where it's through ESO we can see the outcome of the patients and mm-hmm. so like what was ordered how they responded we can see all the docs notes on it um, oh wow but the only way we get that information is if our name was attached to the patient okay. on the chart that was written by ems and so it's a pretty cool thing we can do
1: having good follow-up getting good follow-up from the er or the doctor or your medical director or whatever your ems chief mm-hmm. is awesome for these types of gray area. Um, do we chase the numbers? Because yeah. then you know what happened to them when they got there. It's yeah. like, oh, they left their heart rate at 20 for three mm-hmm. days, holy yeah. cow. Right, yeah. I guess I'm glad I didn't do anything, exactly. you know? And it kind of makes you feel better about what you did or yeah. didn't do Yep. once you can find out what happened on the backside. Yeah. Sometimes it's surprising too, with mm-hmm. what ended up happening.
0: Yeah, the thing I'm always, I mean, I guess we're all kind of intrigued by is how quickly were they discharged uh-huh. Um, were they, you know, admitted somewhere else, cardiac ICU or, you know, somewhere How quickly else?
3: were they intubated?
0: Right. Right. And then uh a fair bit of time we see expired at, you know, yeah. date and time. And that's, uh, those are always interesting. Well, cool. Dan, I wanted to get into, you had a good case study that you had mentioned. Uh, I did. I'm a little and I'm embarrassed wanted, by it, but. That's okay. But I don't want to know much more than the fact you were embarrassed by it because, <laughs> you're gonna do what we did last week where uh, you have all the information but the three of us are gonna ask you questions questions okay so that you can so listeners can see kind of our thought process a little bit okay or at least listen to our thought process and then um, you know at the end give us kind of the summary
3: and
0: lessons learned and everything else
3: okay Uh, so So, yeah just tell us what we're dispatched to uh, care home uh, 74 year old female uh, unconscious difficulty breathing Temperature,
0: difficulty breathing, and she has a temperature. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay.
3: Does she have a DNR? No. Good first. <laughs> Good question. Good question. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. yeah.
0: So no DNR. No. She's in a nursing home. She's
3: seventy-four. Yeah. We have a uh, four-person truck, two-person ambulance. Okay. I'm so you got six scene.
0: people on scene.
3: There's a small hospital, decent hospital. Okay. In town. Um, and any, I'm about two miles away from the. hospital. Yeah, I was going to say, how far out are you? No, two okay. Miles. okay.
0: <laughs> any ongoing stuff with this facility that makes you think this is serious or
3: BS Uh, this this is one where we get a lot of sick patients out of because there's not the best care that goes on in there and they wait till the end to call us okay see this is interesting
2: because that's a question I wouldn't have known to ask yeah like you guys know to ask that yeah it's interesting like just me hearing that that you guys go to all these facilities and you know to ask that question Well, like he
0: just said sometimes they're they're super quick to pull the trigger and it's like you get there and you're like Man, I can't really warrant this. This is a tough yes reason to yeah. bring someone in on an ambulance for.
2: Or you right. go there and you know that you get a lot of sick patients from this yeah. place. That's interesting. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: We say with those, we say you show up behind. Like you're, yeah. you walk in the door and you're like, "Oh my gosh, uh, here, I, I here gotta we, are. Mm-hmm. we,
3: we, we gotta go. We got to play catch up. Cool.
0: Um, so Oops. what do we see as we kind of? Oh, uh, we walk go in. in
3: uh, this the definite smell of a possible UTI. UTI. Okay. Okay. Um, she is very warm to the touch. She's breathing pretty fast,
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, but very shallow breathing. What's uh, the temp in the room? Is it like? Uh, no, it's it's normal. It's like seventy. I, s- I swear, oh, half the time you walk in and it's like hundred degrees. Oh in my gosh! Rooms. It's yeah. horrible.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um,
3: what she else is you want to know?
1: Responsive
3: at all? External uh, rub. She is only external rub. Only external rub. Mm, okay. And so, so nice. yeah. So we immediately we want her out because the care staff there is, they get in the way a lot. There's patients. There's like two, three patients in the room. So we get her out to the ambulance, mm-hmm. and something happens in town where we let the truck go, and the, the truck has like three paramedics on it. Okay. So, what should I've done at that point? I'm two miles away from the hospital. Go.
0: Go. Just go, <laughs> I just yeah, go right. <laughs> IV. <laughs>
3: you do a quick 12 lead, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Okay. Okay. So we park. We turn the motor off. We set up shop. Okay.
1: So, what did you say? Her vitals were.
3: So you're staying in plan. Uh, we're staying in plan. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. got stuff to do. Yeah. Uh, blood pressure is in the 60s. Okay. Entitle um, uh, is low. So 17. Wait, we didn't do title yet. Apologies. It's a different call. Uh, Sats are low in the 80s. Uh, very decreased lung sounds.
2: Okay. Do you have any medical history on her prior to this? No. no, no. Meds, anything yeah, like that?
3: No, Not really. Okay. No. And so
1: Immediately you go for sepsis. Right. I mean, Correct. I mean, Correct. And right. We At the do have, beginning we do. of the call, I was thinking sepsis. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Correct.
3: And we have lactate on this ambulance. Oh, so, yeah. what'd you get? Uh, lactate of four. Okay. Wow. okay. Yeah. Well, so she's hypotensive. Yep.
2: Hypotensive. She's got an elevated lactate. Yeah. She's febrile. Yep. Rapid breathing.
3: Yep. Yeah, yeah, rapid was temp is 102. Okay.
0: Okay. Is this in the COVID era?
3: No. Okay. So this is pre-COVID. Yeah. Okay. Blood sugar is well, like in the two hundreds.
1: So fluids, fluids.
2: Yeah. So you're saying she's in septic shock right now?
3: Septic shock. In your mind, right. basically. De- yep. Okay. Uh That's... Decreased lung sounds. All fields.
0: Did you have an end title on her na- like nasal cannula? No. Okay. We do not have one.
3: Okay. And so, honestly, man, I'm just gonna do a couple
0: IVs, give her some fluid, and and leave. All to the hospital. Right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, not yet.
1: Okay. No, not yet. <laughs> she uh, has an altered mental status. We're totally going to stay in innovate, aren't we? What's her
3: GCS? I, absolutely. She, uh, four Four to five? Yeah. Okay,
1: so high flow O2. Yep. That's my EVs on board. And then doc for ER, are you guys still doing 30 cc's per kilo or just resuscitation to map?
2: Um, I mean, 30 cc's per kilo is still, yeah. Effect. But, yeah. Uh, you know, that can, again, it's contextual, right? Yeah. Like. Once we get that patient and get a little more history, maybe put an ultrasound get on them, ultrasound. they've got evidence of heart failure, then right. obviously we're not going to go that mm-hmm. high. But, yeah. Yeah. but we're
1: not going to get that much Yeah, in yeah. and
2: right you're not going to get that much in there so, probably no. anyway, no. No. right?
1: So why open no. fluids?
3: Why don't fluids, high flow to um Kenya, high flow to, because we're getting ready to intubate. We're trying to get those stats up.
2: You're trying to optimize the
3: intubation. Correct. Yep.
1: What's the so. other way to optimize that intubation? I hate that they're hypotensive. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're, we're, we're
3: prepping the norepi. We have okay. a pump. We have norepi. So we're prepping that. We're going to okay. get that going. So okay.
0: <laughs> Dan, I'm
1: sorry.
3: You're two miles from the hospital. Two miles from the hospital.
0: And you're going to do That's a drip. He, said he was embarrassed. And you're going to intubate. Yep. In two miles.
3: Yep. God, I had to, to justify my job. Okay. <laughs> Years. Years. Uh, uh, Heavy yeah. traffic day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Heavy right. traffic day. Yeah. That traffic. That one stoplight. Yeah. you I wait thirty seconds after. Yeah. Shoot.
1: I'm sure the hospital was on divert. And <laughs> I would love to
3: say they yeah. were, but no. Oh, okay. okay. Good doc on board that day. Yeah. Yep.
0: Okay. okay.
3: Okay. So we get the blood pressure up a little bit. Mm-hmm. It takes maybe ten minutes or so. Okay. To get the blood pressure oh, up.
1: Just sit in the in the. Just sitting,
3: minutes? just getting mm. everything prepped because I'm going to innovate the patient. So she's <laughs> 60s initially with fluids, she gets to? Uh, we get up in the 80s, high 80s. High 80s what are her sats now? Sats are in the high 80s. We don't get past, I think, 89. But remember, she's got decreased lung sounds. So, so she so,
1: might have a
3: pneumonia or something. Uh, Decreased
2: lung sounds like tight, like wheezy lung sounds or like... Didn't just hear any wheezes, no...
3: just just didn't hear anything. Which is yeah, yeah. I mean, I could like hear it. a little bit of, of movement, but mm-hmm. I didn't hear any wheezing. Mm-hmm. So, and I didn't get the great medical history where I would have known that this patient might have COPD. Got it. Okay. And she's just shallow breathing. Shallow breathing. Fast. Breathe. Yes, fast.
0: And obviously you had nothing on scene that would have pointed you towards like no albuterol hanging out on the nightstand or anything.
3: Correct. Okay. Yep. Because we always is get out. Yeah, This is pre-COVID. We have masks on. We just want to get out of that smell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
1: So okay. just for um, education purposes, if she did, have, if you knew she had COPD, what would you change? Would you just be okay with those stats?
3: Well, I would have gave her a treatment, mm-hmm. you know, started doing ebb, You know, she's still breathing. So What's I her rate? 30s. Okay. Yeah, 30s. So she-
1: so it would have helped fix her lungs, but she still has a decreased mentation, So you would still want to intubate. That well,
3: start? if no, if I do this over again, I would have gone to the hospital. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I'm <laughs> saying, in this scenario, we didn't. Mm-hmm. Correct. So I'm
1: just. So I'm just yeah, I knew that point I had that you're a. You're still going to do high flow O2. You're high high flow
3: O2, and I knew that I had uh, my Sats topped out at 89, 90, mm-hmm. and so I knew I would be pulling out 85. That was my number. That's why I told my partner, if I get to 85 on the Sats, tell me and I'll pull out.
1: And then let's just go over blood pressure too, because this is a huge one. I think for RSI in the field, is right. mm-hmm. we see that they don't have a very good respiratory drive, mm-hmm. altered mental status, yep. and we need to intubate right away because that's first. Yep. Right. But it's really because that's airway, right? Airway comes right. before. Right. But it's not because right.
2: And then what's gonna you know you intubate them, then that's gonna change their all their mechanics. Right. So now they're on positive pressure positive pressure ventilation mm-hmm. rather than creating their own. Negative intrathoracic pressure, right, which is going to decrease their, you know, blood return to their heart, yeah. so they're going to decrease their preload and their their pressure Excellent. is going to tank, Excellent. and they're going to go and into cardiac arrest. We're going
1: to give them paralytics, yeah. which is also going to make their mm-hmm. blood pressure tank, yeah. right? So, uh, and it. this lady's
2: already got decreased preload, <laughs> probably because yeah. her she's probably so overexpanded. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. yeah, it's kind of a nightmare. Who
0: needs to ask you questions when we
2: have a Ramsey in the room? Like, <laughs> he, like, he can already
0: predict what's gonna happen. Like.
1: And hypotension, I think, before we really knew about I don't yes, know, back in the day when we didn't really resuscitate or do anything, right. it was just intubate. Mm-hmm. Every time you push that sucks. In your mind, you're like, well, here, we, this is gonna, this isn't gonna be good, mm-hmm. you know. And then they code right yeah. because now yeah. you're taking away every ounce of
3: adrenaline the whole yeah. thing right
1: their veins aren't going to squeeze anymore it's no. paralyzed mm-hmm. them all So yep. anyway, so we're down and I to think burn. that th- up shit
2: that positive intrathoracic pressure makes it big t- I Huge. mean you yeah. see yeah. that even Huge. on bipap right yeah. like yeah. people are on high settings on bipap if their pressures aren't great like the first thing i do is change their bipap settings right and their pressures will often turn around yeah. mm-hmm. yep you know yeah. was i mean bipaps like Great option.
0: It is,
3: point. and you know my vent has a good BiPAP option. Yeah, <laughs> I was right? going to say, I think I yeah. know your vents, too. Yeah, yeah. They're, it's good. Okay. It's good. All right.
1: This is pre. Did you, did you guys have uh, BiPAP pre-COVID? We did, yeah.
3: Okay. yeah. It was sitting right there. You could it. have said no. We wouldn't have known. <laughs> no,
1: fine. <laughs> no. well, thanks I'm for your honesty, dude. I'm just being day. super vulnerable yeah. right now. I'm thinking, I mean, the tires are probably yeah. just flat on the ambulance. That's why we're yeah. here. Yeah. yeah, you're
0: waiting for another ambulance <laughs> to
1: come pick up your patient. Yeah. I want
3: them to get their money's worth in the back <laughs> yeah. of that ambulance. Like, this is medicine. Right? Yeah, this you're, is medicine. The taxpayers yes. are getting their yes.
1: money's yes. worth yes. right now. But,
2: like, on, like, this is how it goes when you practice medicine. Yeah. Like, it is a humbling thing
3: to do. And that's exactly what I was doing, is practicing.
2: Yeah. I mean, it is. I tell everybody that, like, emergency medicine... All medicine, but like you guys and in the ER, it is a humbling thing to do because mm-hmm. okay. when you mess, you're gonna mess up, mm-hmm. and when you mess up, and then look back through your, you know, mm-hmm. perfect little retroscope, and yep. things are very easy to see what you did wrong. It feels crappy. It does yeah, it for sure. Feels horrible.
3: So so where am give I? Give us well. So I get the blood pressure up. Yeah. Yep. It's almost dinner time, so I'm trying to get this expedited. Let's get it in the hospital. Right, because you want some food. Right. You're hungry. <laughs> you're a long low. time. Yeah. <laughs> we only have a two-hour limit on that parking space in the, right. in the parking lot. So. <laughs> you
0: going to get a ticket. So walk so, us through what you did from here. So Sats topped
3: out at 89. Okay. We had a cut off at 85. Uh, blood pressure got into the high high 80s, right? Okay. Just so, with fluid. Fluid and norepi. And Yeah, okay. I think. I was. But say. they
1: top out at like eight
3: mics, right? We're t- We're 12. We went oh, to call it. Minus, yep. Yeah, but I could have called for still, more. Yeah. Could have called for more, but I didn't. Uh, and so now it's time to innovate. And
1: also, you can't fluid resuscitate a patient in ten minutes or fifteen.
3: Correct. Minutes, so right. Go on, one So, uh, I did an amazing airway job with the airway. I got that tube first try. Nice. Boom, just like that. Nice. Work. Yeah. If we could stop right there, that'd be amazing. Yeah. But we can't. So,
0: what happened after you got the tube? So we got the
3: entitled because we on con- confirmation gold standard. Yeah. It was a hundred. A hundred, yeah. Like I had never seen that before. Too many, too many end titles. (laughs) 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 Too many. That's a lot, right? Yeah. And so what? I mean, I've already gone this far. I've got some more shit to do. Yeah. Yeah. I have got to get that end title down. Yeah. And how do you get end title down? Well, you can breathe fast. You you breathe really (laughs) fast, right? Yeah. And what does that do to someone who's on COPD? That has COPD. It uh, (sighs) causes some. Yeah. Did you drop a pneumo? What's that? Did she get a pneumo? Ooh, close. No, yeah. mm. no. I, I did have the foresight to take that thing, the, the, the tube uh-huh. off the vent circuit. Oh, good. And, and smart. But then I just keep thinking, okay, we got to get that rate up. Let's go. And then I started thinking, maybe I'll just call the hospital. Yeah. I mean, they're just. Good. I could probably just yeah. walk over there and yell. Could have yelled <laughs> from the just open yell door. The yeah. door. <laughs> <laughs> but I got the on the phone. And she was so nice. He, she, he said, okay, that's what I want you to do. Stop trying to fix the end title and just bring the patient to me because that is a long process. Yeah. Right. It's and be I was wild. just sitting there just trying and trying and trying to decrease that number. Yeah. So, can you explain to us why that number is so high? Yeah. I mean, so effectively,
2: this, so I'm, I'm getting the painting the picture now that this is a person that's kind of got a couple things going on, right? Mm-hmm. So, they're probably potentially uroseptic, maybe they've got pneumonia. But has underlying COPD. Right. Sounds like. Right. Do you know that? Yes. For de- definitively no? Yes. Okay. Um, so her lungs are, it sounds like she's having also a COPD exacerbation. Correct. Right. Right. Which this is it's like. It's never just one thing. Yeah, no, never one, no. You know, it's funny. You go through like training and it's like Occam's razor. It's always one, thre- one thing. And right. then you get into practice and they call it like Hickam's dictum or whatever it is. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like 20, there's like three things going on. And like, so this right. lady's got multiple things going on. Yep um so but because of her just dealing with the airway stuff like because of her COPD she is not she is somebody that can't ventilate right so she can't breathe off enough CO2 so her lungs are holding on and getting hyperexpanded and you thinking you need to go up on the rate is just making all that worse right right so now she's just stacking and breath stacking and breath stacking yes but I mean, it's the, you did the right thing in taking her off the circuit, pushing on her pushing chest. On the chest. It was probably like a bunch of squeaky air came out. Yeah, and, it was. and then you started over and then overinflated <laughs> her again. Here we go again. Pushed on her <laughs> chest again. Yeah, yeah. But and that goes back to your original point, where yeah. if
1: you overinflate the chest under positive pressure, now you're decreasing venous return to the heart, mm-hmm. and now your yeah. blood pressure is probably lower. Yeah. Yep. And you're maxed out on your norepinephrine yeah. fluids. And- but so, that's
2: a tough. Again, like that is a that's a tough patient to manage on a vent or right? on a bag or whatever. But
3: I mean. She never got to that point. Yeah. I'm close to the hospital. Just because I'm a paramedic doesn't mean I have to do all yeah. my paramedic skills in one, one mm-hmm. call. Right. So what was the handoff to the hospital like? It's embarrassing, but... <laughs> <laughs> but you got the two. I got the two. Um, well, the doc that I talked to received. And so I just kind of went over the whole thing and uh, she did some stuff. We talked afterwards. She was super cool. Just kind of gave me a little education. Mm-hmm. and uh, kind of reset me, mm-hmm. reframed the whole thing. Yeah. We've yeah. got
0: a couple docs where we drop patients off to right now that they do an excellent job of like, hey, before you leave, let me, yeah, that let me is chat so with you helpful. real quick. And it's it's super helpful. There are people, though, that can't see past the educational opportunity, and like they just look at it as like, oh, this person's coming down on me, and it's like. I I'm not, I don't know where that that mindset comes from like know. you are not the top person on this totem pole no like, there are smarter people than you mm-hmm. and you need to like just sit and listen and it, you know like Ramsey said it's a humbling experience but you that so to beneficial. get better I mean yeah. you're there to serve people so learn and get better. exactly
1: uh, and we've all screwed up and that's why you're telling the story mm-hmm. um, so other people can learn about it and I do think that there is that internal pressure, though, to be perfect because paramedics are scrutinized a lot by the, you know, when they drop off the patient at the ER, it's, and then you get your charts reviewed, and then why didn't you do all of this perfectly in the 10 or 20 or hour long time you have this patient? And like what Ramsey's saying is, it takes a really long time to fix these people sometimes days or weeks we don't really need to do it in the first 15 minutes right but we do have that internal pressure just because we
3: can't doesn't mean we need to yeah but
1: why why did you want to fix all the numbers before you got to the ER because that's your job because you had internal pressure to do it because you wanted uh, to look good
3: look good mm-hmm. because I knew that a hundred wasn't right it's supposed to be 35 to 45 yeah and so I got to get that down I'll have yeah. that down by the time I get to the hospital yeah two miles away
2: it's probably not hasn't been down in 20 years right Right. exactly it was for that little bit though (laughs) I shouldn't laugh
1: but uh. that's part of the reason we chase the numbers because we want to look good we we want to look good and that ego part is really hard to overcome
0: I mean correct me if I'm wrong though like I feel like what I like I was talking about earlier docs and nurses more than anything they want a really thorough story Mm -hmm. like that helps them make so many decisions absolutely and they don't want cool, dude, you got an IV, like, thumbs up, like, mm-hmm. nobody cares. Like, right. what they want is, what did you find, what were you called for, right. what's their history, and what did you do, if anything, to, you know, make any improvements.
3: Yeah. Uh, it's
0: I good don't know, me, sir. take that where you want, I guess, but, yeah, it's a lesson some people need to learn more than others, I think.
3: Are you looking at me when you say that? No, I'm
0: oh. looking at, like, mm-hmm. all of us. Like in EMS, <laughs> like, like we get in our you own way so much. You know, like we can be so cocky at times.
3: Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, it takes a little bit of cockiness to be able to do the job. Oh, yeah.
2: We're all type A control freaks. So yeah. you have to be, you know, on that end of the spectrum for sure. But You've been having the, like, you know, you telling the story is great, right? It's yeah. Like people can learn that these things happen and when it yeah. happens to them. And it's like, okay,
3: right? It's okay really as long as you, you learn from it. One, yeah. of, my, one uh, of my
2: favorite things about Dan is how vulnerable
0: he'll be with the mistakes he's made in the field and the way he uses that to educate him. A I mean, little too vulnerable sometimes. <laughs> yeah, maybe hold back some of those details. Yeah. <laughs> like dinner, you know? <laughs>
3: I I just did the talk over in Idaho, and I did the, uh, it's called Egos and Airways, but it's like a revised <laughs> version. Mm-hmm. And it's Eagles and Airways, the the mismanagement of airway management. And it's about my journey over the last 30 years and the... The problems I've had and mm-hmm. some of the issues I've caused and maybe deaths I've caused. Mm. Um, and, but at the end, I had an old lady give me this hug and this dude was crying. So I mean, it was it was yeah. You know, you being vulnerable sometimes and just admitting your mistakes is okay. That's how we're ending this podcast, right? Hugs mm-hmm. and crying. Hugs yes. and crying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, we're there. We've we've hit our. We did it. Our, our episode. um Thank you to Ramsey for, like so for joining us, man. Yeah, yeah we I know. Just keep well, out I know, like, Having you yeah. here, I just yeah. want to like. Pick well, up. cool. <laughs> we'll leave it there, and uh yeah, thanks again yeah. to Ramsey for joining us. Thanks for having awesome us. Fun. Really yeah, fun. Yeah, real yeah. nice. yeah. yeah, so yeah. really good. We'll catch you guys on the next one.